Welcome back to Unlocking the Truth, a Preset Ministries Canada podcast. This series, called Jesus' Message to the Seven Churches, takes us through Revelation chapters 1 through 3. Here is Mark Sheldrick with episode 2, Revelation chapter 1. Enjoy! Hello everyone, it's Mark Sheldrake here, and this is another episode of Unlocking the Truth Podcast. So glad that you could join in with us. Last episode, we were working through our overview of the book of Revelation, and we'll get into that in one moment. Just a couple things to make you aware of as you're listening. Uh, Continue to check out our online training that we have available. We also are looking for opportunities to take our training back in person throughout the country. If you are interested in hosting a workshop with us live in your church, feel free to email us at training at preceptministries.ca. Also want to let you know uh, the most exciting thing that's happening for us, March 2023, we are heading back to Israel for a Israel tour, an Israel study tour. And if you would like to join us on that tour, you can check out our website at preceptministries.ca. And, and click on the link for Israel Study Tour. Great opportunity to see the Holy Land, and Lord willing, we'll be past all of this pandemic stuff so that we can uh, go back to the Holy Land and, and do a teaching time and see all of the sites and walk where Jesus walked. Cannot wait to get back there. It'll be our third uh, trip in the last number of years, and we hope that we will fill a bus full of Canadians Uh, touring around uh, Israel, and we're also heading into Petra, into Jordan, uh, for a couple of days to look at uh, the ancient sites of what is known as Edom. So if you would like to tour with us, feel free to contact us, info at preceptministries.ca or on our website, preceptministries.ca. Without further ado, let's dig into this week's episode And let me pray. Father, we do thank you again for uh, this technology, the time that we have to uh, get into the book of Revelation. I pray, Lord, that as we uh, get into this uh, book and we begin to look at the seven churches and we look at chapter one this week, that uh, we would be blessed by what uh, you are showing us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it's been a number of weeks since I've been teaching uh, through the book of Revelation Uh, I think 30 weeks right now, our class that we have going started in September, and we are going to be finishing all four parts of the Precept Upon Precept uh, Revelation study uh, by August 1st, the weekend in August. So I can't wait to get through that. But uh, man, our group, I have to tell you, I'm so encouraged by uh, the two classes that we have running, because as we started the book, uh, many people were very apprehensive about uh, the book of Revelation. Many, many people uh, kind of had uh, a little bit of nervousness to to studying because of the amount of debate and discussion in the book of Revelation. Uh, people have presented it as a very scary book to to deal with, and. Uh, what we are finding, what we are finding as a group, that as we engage in Scripture together, as we talk through the Word of God together, as we do our homework and we study diligently each and every week, as we um, uh, ask questions and we listen to uh, lectures and insights and we do our commentary work, 
uh, we're beginning to see that when we observe Scripture, when we interpret Scripture, and when we apply Scripture, uh, we can understand the book of Revelation. We may not understand all of it. We may not understand all of the intricate details. We may still have questions of it, but we are getting a good picture of what the book of Revelation is about and how to deal with some of the most difficult passages that we are running across. Uh, we're thankful because uh, as we study through, we're using God's Word as its own best commentary. That means we're looking at other scriptures within the Bible to help us understand uh, the key chapters in the book of Revelation. So we are not just reading the book of Revelation and then jumping to a commentary and trying to figure out what other, other men have interpreted in the scripture. We're doing the work. We're doing all the grunt work of interpreting through God's word. And I'm telling you, it is amazing to see the light bulbs coming on in the lives of the students. And some of the students, I have to tell you, as they've walked through the book of Revelation, uh, they have some of them have kind of uh, butted heads with what they, what they thought Revelation was about versus what they have observed, interpreted, and applied. And so uh, I'm excited to uh, walk through the first three chapters of Revelation uh, with you on this podcast. But I pray, I pray that you are joining in study as well, that you are uh, picking up one of the precept studies on Revelation and joining in because there's no greater reward than finding the truths of these scriptures and unlocking the scriptures on your own and then using the podcast as sort of a, uh, a fill up of the tank, so to speak, uh, versus using this as the only tool uh, for understanding the book of Revelation. So let's let's get started, because as we walk through the overview uh, the last few weeks, we basically just kind of looked at um, the first four chapters and how they fit together. We looked at the segments, and then we looked at how the uh, Revelation came down. And that's where we're going to start here uh, this week. In this episode, we're going to look at how that revelation came down again. All right, so it's the revelation of Jesus Christ in verse 1, which God gave him to show the bondservants the things that must soon take place. Uh, he sent and communicated it by his angel uh, to his bondservant John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Christ, even to all that he saw. So what we have, if you were kind of drawing a diagram all right, if you're driving your car, don't stop and drive the draw the diagram. Go back and listen to the first part, and then you can write it in your Bible. But what you have here is you have the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is all about Jesus Christ, and it was given by God to Jesus. And then Jesus gave it to an angel, and the angel gave it to John, and John is giving it to the seven churches. All right, so you've got from God to Jesus, from Jesus to the angel, from the angel to, to John, and John to the churches. That's how the revelation came down. So John is told to write out everything that he is about to see. And let me tell you, 30 weeks into the book of Revelation, oh man, he sees some stuff, right? Like he's going to see some things that are absolutely amazing. They're going to be mind-blowing. They're going to be shocking. They're going to be crazy. They're going to give him great hope. They're going to give him great fear. And at, yet at the same time, we can't even get past chapter one before he sees one of the most amazing visions that uh, is within the book of Revelation. All right, so before we get there, though, we're going to hit this verse three. And verse three is a vital verse 
in the book of Revelation that we want to pay attention to. All right, it says, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and heed the things which are written for uh, written in it for the time is near. All right, so let's just look at three of the words that are mentioned in verse 3 and pay close attention to them because as we pay close attention to them, there is purpose for application. All right, what we see is first, blessed is he, all right? Okay, so blessed here, we're kind of, it's kind of like having a peek into the into the back room. We're gonna we're gonna have some great insights. I I remember uh, going a number of times to the movie theater uh, with our with our family, and you kind of like watch the movie, and you think, oh, cool. And I always when I look backwards into the um, kind of where the movie was being played, you know, from the behind the glass, you'd see this little reflection, this small little window, and I always wondered. I was like, what? What's it look like behind there? And then one time, my friend, who was the manager, he took me back to the back room and showed me how it all worked. And I was absolutely amazed at the the in- intricate way in which this film was running through this system and uh, projecting out onto the screen, like giant re- reels of film that were uh, going through to to get the picture on the screen. Ah, it was so it was so cool, and it's the same idea uh, in Revelation. Blessed is he who reads, and those who hear the words and heed the prophecy. So, uh, this prophecy is is coming, no matter what. John is going to give it, but as the reader, we can be blessed by not only reading it, but hearing it, soaking it in, and then heeding it. The idea of heeding this prophecy is for us to obey what it says. All right, so not only does it mean to obey what it says, but it also means to keep an eye on or to guard, uh, to keep an eye and to guard uh, this prophecy. All right, so this this whole prophecy is about the second coming of Jesus Christ, and that flows all the way through the book of Revelation. Verse 7 of chapter 1 Behold, he is coming within the clouds, uh, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So be it. Amen. All right, it's about the coming of Jesus Christ. Uh, Revelation chapter 2, verse 25. Revelation 2, 25 says, uh, Nevertheless, what you have, hold fast until I come. Uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse Three. So remember what you've received and what you and what you've heard and keep it. Repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know what the hour that I will come. Uh, Revelation chapter three, verse 11. It says, I'm coming quickly. Hold fast what you have so that no one will take your crown. And then when we go into the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 22 uh, we see this thread continue all the way through about the coming of Jesus. The book closes out again about the coming, second coming of Jesus. Uh, Revelation chapter 22, verse 7. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Blessed is he who heeds the words of this prophecy of this book. Uh, that is essentially the same verse as Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. Uh, 
in Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, it says, read and hear and heed. Here it says, blessed is he who uh, heeds, obeys, stays on guard, keeps an eye out uh, for the words of the prophecy of this book. Uh, verse 10 says, uh, do not seal up the words of this prophecy. Why? Because the time is near. Uh, the second coming of Jesus Christ is near. It's coming quickly. Verse 12, behold, I'm coming quickly and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. Uh, all of these verses uh, throughout the, the passage, uh, verse 20, he who testifies to these things, yes, I'm coming quickly. Uh, so we have uh, this flow of thought all the way through the book of Revelation. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ, and it concerns his second coming. And so why do we want to pay attention? Because all of the words that are in this book are going to show us the signs. They don't show us the date. They don't show us the exact time and the hour of which is to come. The Bible tells us only the Father knows the day and the hour of Christ's return. And yet we have these signs that we can pay attention to that happen in the world around us that bring us into kind of high alert that this event of Jesus' second coming is happening. Uh, there, are, there are days where I am praying that Jesus would come quickly. Why? Because I would love to see that event happen within my lifetime. Do I think it's going to happen? I don't know. Am I hopeful? Yes. Uh, I am so hopeful that Jesus would return in my lifetime because that is something that I would love to experience with my own eyes. I'm sure there are people long before me who have had the same hope and the same desire and the same passion to see Jesus Christ come in the clouds. Uh, it kind of ignites a fire within me to, to know that that possibly could happen for two reasons. One, it helps me to remain hopeful and remember the promises of Jesus Christ for what are to come uh, for those who overcome, which we're going to spend a whole week looking at uh, the episode. We're going to look at the whole week uh, study on the overcomer. We're going to look at the promises that come for those uh, who overcome until the end. And so uh, we know what we're waiting for. We know what we are looking for. We are looking for and hastening the coming day of Jesus Christ. We want Jesus Christ to return and bring us back to the mansion that is God's house that he has been preparing for us since he ascended into heaven uh, way back at the end of his uh, death, burial, and resurrection. Remember Acts chapter 1, uh, we, Luke records Jesus' ascension uh, back to the right hand of the Father. And so we, we want this to happen. And we, this is why Revelation becomes such a great debate. We have such great hope. We start to grasp at every event that's taking place in the world, and we want to tie that to the, the apocalyptic end uh, of of the world. We want to draw that. Is that the return of Jesus Christ? Is what's happening in the Ukraine right now? Is that the, the battle of Gog and Magog? Uh, uh, when Hitler came, is that when, was that the, you know, was that the event? Was 70 AD the event? All of these things that uh, we can debate over whether uh, 
Jesus Christ is coming or not. These are the things because we, we grab onto these signs because why we're hopeful we get to see and participate in that event. But here, all of this that Jesus is going to lay out all the way through and he's going to give to his angel and his angel is going to give to John are the things that are going to take place concerning his second coming. And so then uh, he tells us, blessed is the one who doesn't just read it, but one who actually soaks it in and then causes their life to change the way they live based on what they are about to read. And I will tell you, as we've studied through in our class, this studying of the book of Revelation, it has done one thing for me and one thing for all of our students. It has created a greater urgency for the gospel message to go out to those in our lives who do not know Jesus Christ. It is a wake-up call to see what is, what is to come for those who believe and those who don't believe, that it creates a greater urgency for us to heed these words, know that they are true, and then get out there and populate heaven and plunder hell. So let's look at the Revelation. Uh, Revelation chapter uh, 1, verse 4. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who was and who is to come from the seven spirits who were before his throne. Uh, verse 4, if you're, if you're a note taker, you want to write in the margin, you just want to write God. Uh, this verse 4 is, is a description of God. Look what it says. It says, uh, him who is, uh, who was, and who is to come. This is, this is, this is the God that, that we fear, we revere. This is the God that we love. This is the God that we thank who sent his son, Jesus Christ. Uh, this God here uh, who is before the throne, um, this, this is God who was and who is and who is to come. Uh, look at verse 5, because verse 5 and 6, uh, this begins to tell us uh, about Jesus. And, and John kind of shares a, a three-fold pic picture of who Jesus is in verses 5 and 6. Uh, and from Jesus, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and released us from sin— by his blood, he has made us to be a kingdom of priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I mean, I just get fired up when I think about what is happening in these verses. I, there's three things to pay attention to. Uh, first and foremost uh, is this, is that Jesus is the faithful uh, witness. He is the faithful witness or uh, the prophet who brought the message of what was going to happen to him uh, when he was when he was crucified uh, on the cross. So he is the faithful witness. He is the firstborn of the dead. Uh, he is the one who conquered death, and death has no reign because he is the firstborn. Uh, he is the ruler of the kings of the earth. And so now he uh, is kind of, John is setting this up as a praise of the one who is, the one who uh, was, the one who is to come, uh, the faithful witness, the, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the king 
uh, kings of the earth. And then it says to him, and, and this is this is absolutely amazing because there's three things that Jesus did here for us that we want to pay close attention to, and it's all based on one thing. Three things Jesus did for you and I based on one characteristic. And, and this is why, I mean, there are so many rabbit trails that walk us through the book of Revelation uh, chapter one, but we got to stick to the text and we got to stick to our time frame. But here's what it says. All right. First, to him who loved us. Everything that we're about to see uh, coming through the next part of five and six is on the basis of Jesus' love for us. Okay, do you see this? This is this is absolutely amazing what, what is being dropped down from God the Father to Jesus to the angel to John himself. Uh, Jesus loved us. And then here's what he did for us. Because he loved us so, verse 5, he released us from our sins by our blood. <laughs> Oh, man, we could just stop right there and we could think about and ponder on that very verse for the rest of this episode. Uh, I'm recording this right now, and it is the day before Good Friday. We are getting ready to head into Easter weekend and celebrate this very fact that when Jesus died on the cross, he released us from our sins when he resurrected and death had no longer a hold on him. The sacrifice made on the cross was because he loved us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Do you see the thrust of love behind all of this? He first, because he loved us, he released us from our sins how? By the sacrifice on the cross. Uh, he also made us to be a kingdom of priests to his God. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, he loves us. He freed us from sin. And he made us a kingdom of priests to his God and Father. And then he says, as he closes out this little section, this kind of kind of intro to to who God is and to who Jesus, he said, to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I mean, you could draw right off of verse six and look at chapters four and five of the book of Revelation, and you would see four and five, as we talked about in the overview, is all about worship of God the Father and Jesus the Christ the Son, because he is worthy to open the seals and begin to show us the signs and reclaim what was rightfully his. Verse 7 says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. All of the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. I mean, verse 7 just blows my mind. and We just stop and we think about the very fact that all of these verses we've seen coming all the way through the book of Revelation that show us the coming of Jesus. You know what? It's not just me. It's not just you that might have the opportunity to see this. The whole world will see the return of Jesus Christ. I mean, even those who stand this day and proclaim that they are atheists and deny the existence of God and Jesus Christ the Son will one day see Jesus coming in the clouds the whole world will stop and they will witness. And what do you think is going to happen? What do you think is going to happen to those who have been so skeptical about the truth of God's word? 
What do you think is going to happen to those who kind of debate whether this is actually really God's word? I can only imagine that when the skies open up and Jesus returns, and as the scriptures tell us, uh, the sun goes dark, uh, stars move their positions, and the glory of the Lord returns. Do you think we're all going to be looking up? Do you think we're all going to be in awe of the very fact that Jesus Christ is returning? Maybe you and I as believers, we won't be able to look up because we'll be just having our heads bowed, face in the ground, like so many of the other examples in Scripture when they have seen the presence of God. I bet you there will be people that will look and go, oh man, I guess the Bible was true. I guess that guy in the pulpit when he was preaching about the return of Jesus Christ, that, that it really happened, Maybe I, maybe I should have been one who was uh, heeding and pay attention to what God's Word said. The crazy part about this is as you study through the book of Revelation, we also know that even till the end, people will deny and blaspheme God and will not repent of their sins. He's coming soon. Amen. I cannot wait. Verse 8, I am the Alpha, the Omega, says the Lord who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Oh, man. <laughs> this, this is the revelation that John is about, to, uh, is about to get from God the Father to Jesus to the angels and to himself. Uh, it is the revelation of Jesus. The, the, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of kings, the one who loved us so much, that uh, we were released from the sins, from sins by his blood, and he is the one who made us a kingdom of priests, and we will have uh, eternal life with him. This is what John is about to see. It says in verse 9, I, John, your brother and fellow partaker in the tribulation and kingdom and uh, perseverance, which are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos before because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. So let's just pause there for a minute and just kind of wrap this into the context. Uh, John uh, was on the island of Patmos, which was a Roman colony island where they would send uh, those who were um, essentially imprisoned for the gospel. So uh, scholars describe Patmos as a penal colony, which uh, they sent their prisoners to, uh, because of uh, breaking the law. And so John was there, and as we know through the book of Acts, the apostles were going through great tribulation, great suffering, and we saw also Paul experiencing great suffering and tribulation for the gospel. John also was a part of that. John also was in great suffering and tribulation for pursuing and pushing the gospel message of Jesus Christ. So much so that he's now on this island as a prisoner. But even when he's on this island as a prisoner, uh, it says because he's there because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus, uh, what amazes me is John's dedication to his relationship with God. Uh, verse 10 says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet 
saying, write in a book what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamum and to Tyteria, to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. Uh, This is one of four times through the book of Revelation that John will be in the Spirit. Uh, In this case, he is in the Spirit on the island of Patmos, and he hears the voice like the sound of a trumpet. Now, because we're not going to kind of dig into all of this now, this could be another rabbit trail for you, but uh, the word trumpet is used quite a bit within the book of Revelation. And so it does have uh, quite the significance. We have seven trumpets that blow uh, in the book of Revelation. So this voice sounding like a trumpet tells him that he is to write a book and give it to the seven churches. This book that he is going to write, of course, is the revelation of Jesus Christ. All right, so now look at what happens as he's in the Spirit. It says, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the middle of the lampstands, I saw one like the Son of Man, uh, clothed in a robe, reaching to the feet and girded across his chest uh, with a royal sash. Uh, his head and his hair were white like wool, like snow, and his eyes were a flame, uh, flame of fire. His feet were like bronished, burnished bronze when it had been made to glow in the furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp edge, two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in its strength. Oh man, this is so cool. <laughs> this is absolutely amazing. All right, so if we if we kind of begin to walk through these verses, we have first that John he was in the spirit for um, when he was on the Lord's day, which which is the Sabbath, and so when he's pre, he's in the spirit, he hears the voice, and he is to write a book. And what he sees is he sees uh, seven golden lampstands, not kind of one lampstand with seven lights, but seven lampstands. Uh, there, and in the middle of the lampstands, he sees one like the Son of Man, uh, clothed in a robe, reaching to the feet, and girded across his chest with a golden sash. So first and foremost, uh, there there is kind of some meaning and understanding behind each of these uh, descriptions. And so first and foremost, we look and we see there okay, one like the Son of Man. All right, so according to the Gospels, if we look at the Gospel of Mark, uh, there are a number of names that are used for Jesus. One of the names used for Jesus in the Gospel of Mark is Son of Man. All right, and so uh, this here, Son of Man, is most often used as the description for Jesus' earthly ministry. So if we were to look at this, along with the clothing, clothed in robe, uh, reaching to his feet and girded across with a sash, this is the dress of one uh, like royalty, one like who's a king, one who is 
uh, dressed unlike the others. And so if we, we take this kind of first part of this vision, what we have is we have Jesus standing in the midst of these seven lampstands uh, dressed in royalty. And so let's look at what we can pull out of this, okay? So uh, verse 12, then I turned to see the voice, okay? The voice that was speaking. Well, if we look at the previous verses in verse 10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard be uh, behind me a loud voice like the sound of the trumpet. So the loud voice that sounded like the trumpet is the loud voice that is speaking with him in verse 12, and that is Jesus. So he is about to hear directly from Jesus. All right, now look at the description. His head and his hair were white like wool, like the snow, and his eyes were a flame of fire. Oh my goodness, what is happening here? This is this is just a great picture of who we have. Uh, the the white hair that we are discussing and looking at with Jesus uh, does speak to his eternal nature. And so this description of Revelation chapter 1 verse 12 to 16 is similar to the description found in Daniel chapter 7 uh, verse 9. All right, so let's look at Daniel chapter 7 and listen to... Um, all the way through. I'm going to start at verse 9 and work my way down to verse 14. So Daniel chapter 7, verse 9 to 14. I kept looking until the thrones were set up and the ancients of days took his seat. His vesture was like white snow. His hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames. Its wheels were burning fire. A river of fire was flowing and coming out before him. Thousands upon thousands were attending him. Myriads upon myriads were standing before him. The court sat. The books were open. I kept looking because of the sound of the boastful words which the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body was destroyed, giving the burning fire. The rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but the extension of life was granted to them for an appointed time. I kept looking in night visions. Behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like the Son of Man was coming. He came up to the Ancient of Days, was prevent, presented before him, and given to him was dominion, glory, and a kingdom. And all the priests and the nations and men of every language might serve him. His dominion was everlasting, which will not pass away, and his kingdom will not be destroyed." The description in Daniel chapter 7, verse 9 and 10, that's a description of God, the Ancient of Days, uh, the Eternal One, the Pure One, the, the, the Holy One that we, we love to um, fear, like we revere Him and we honor Him and we glorify Him in all we do. And the same description is of Jesus here. His head and His hair were white like wool, and uh, wool and like snow. So speaking to his eternalness. Now his eyes, look at his eyes. The eyes are the example of what he sees. And so for the example here, Christ is standing in the midst of these seven lampstands. He's eternal. He sees all things. And look at the result. His eyes were like a flame of fire. This, this seems to indicate to me that what he's looking at, 
he does not like. That uh, what he is seeing uh, is not making him happy. All right, so uh, the letters to the seven churches, as we walk through them starting in the next episode, we're going to see all about that. All right, so uh, as we walk through the rest of these scriptures, we are going to see some of this interpretation play out. All right, Uh, verse 15, his feet were like burnished bronze when it had been made to glow in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. All right, so uh, the bronze, the bronze of his feet uh, are very similar in description to uh, the place of sacrifice. Uh, the, the brazen bronze altar, for example, where sin was judged uh, was like bronze. And so his feet are uh, symbolic of the altar in which sin is sacrificed on. So uh, Jesus, he is eternal. Uh, his eyes see and he judges the actions of what are going on. And the bronze altar uh, is made to glow. Why? Judgment is coming. Uh, notice the difference here that John initially starts out and he describes uh, the voice, one like a trumpet. And now he is describing uh, the voice sounding like the sound of many waters. All right, so uh, the many waters, the uh, the idea of the the sound of many waters is quite overwhelming. I was at a lake um, in September, and just to listen to the waves crashing, it it overcame the sound of everything else. Even with all the windows closed on the windy day, the sound was uh, enormous in taking care of that. So we can see how uh, the um, comparison in Ezekiel chapter 43 and in Psalm 29, uh, where um, God's voice is described uh, much like the sound of water. Now look what he has in his right hand. In his right hand, he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, uh, with his face was like the sun, uh, shining in its strength. All right, so when he, he's got these seven stars in his hands, and if we follow down to the rest, we're going to get the understanding. All right, so uh, the understanding that comes through. So let's look at the interpretation of this vision, and then we'll come back. Uh, verse 17 tells us, When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man, and he placed uh, his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last, the living one. I was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of Hades, of death and Hades. Therefore, uh, write the things which you have seen, the things which are, and the things which will take place after these things. As for the mystery, okay, so here, here's the understanding of this entire um, vision that John is seeing. As for the mystery, the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. All right, so now if we pull this all together, Okay, if we pull it all together, we have uh, the sound 
of the trumpet that John hears. And there's one like the Son of Man standing in the midst of the seven lampstands. Well, the Son, one like the Son of Man is Jesus. Where is he standing? He is standing in the midst of the seven churches, according to verse 20. And in the midst of all of this, what's he doing? He's, he's in his eternalness, in his, um, in his position and where he is. He is looking down on the seven churches that he's in the midst of, and he is seeing what's happening in the seven churches, and his eyes are aflame. His eyes are like fire, and he's getting ready for judgment of these churches because of the way they are acting, by the way, the way that they are living in the midst of what? in the midst of the very fact that the time is near for the return of Jesus Christ. And since the return is near, these churches, these people, you and I, we need to get our hearts ready and prepared for the coming of Jesus Christ. That even in the midst of all of this tribulation, we serve one purpose, be ready for when Jesus comes to get us. And so because he's seeing with his eyes aflame the actions that are happening in this church, He's going to take these seven messengers, these seven angels, uh, seven stars that are in his hand, which are the seven messengers, and he is going to send a message to each of the churches. And that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at the seven messages that come from these messengers, from what Jesus is witnessing with his own eyes, and call the church to correct itself and to come back in line to not only hear not only read, but heed and obey the truth of God's word for the sole purpose of being ready for his return. Do you see how this applies to us? The messages that are going to come into the same seven churches are things that we may be dealing with in our very own lives. We may even have churches in Canada, in the United States, and around the world that are suffering the same problems that these seven churches were suffering uh, way back when, when John got this revelation. And so we want to take these messages from the churches and we want to use them to teach us and form us and shape us into the position of us being ready for the return of Jesus Christ. Now, look, John, when he sees this and he realizes and has the interpretation that he sees Jesus standing in the middle of the churches, that his eyes are ablaze, that, that he is ready to bring judgment, that he has messengers, that he completely controls the message that is coming to these people. He holds them in his hands. He controls the church. He controls the leaders. The two-edged sword is coming, which signifies judgment. He's about to bring judgment on his church. And the very fact is that when John knows that all of this is going to happen, he falls on his face, and he falls like a dead man. And it says, Jesus placed his right hand on John, and he said, Do not be afraid, for I am the first and the last, the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys to death and Hades. I mean, could you imagine being the one uh, who is here uh, witnessing this? Could you be putting yourself into the, the feet of John for a moment and, and seeing all of this and, and having Jesus lay his hand on you and saying, don't be afraid. I'm the one who has control over who lives, 
who dies, and when. Your job, John, is to be the messenger. (laughs) I mean, it's absolutely amazing what we see here. And this whole chapter, this whole chapter that we see in Revelation chapter 1 is actually drawing out for us in greater detail Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. The revelation from God to Jesus, to the angels, to John, to the seven churches. And as we walk through the next number of weeks looking at the seven churches, I'm telling you folks, it is going to be a wake-up call. It is going to be a challenge for us to walk through each of these letters and then apply them to our own lives because uh, what we are about to see is we are about to see churches that were running well and have begun to backslide. We are going to see all kinds of different things happening. And so as we walk through all of these scriptures, as we look at them over the next number of episodes, remember that God is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and He is the end. He's the one that we can stop and we can worship because His plan is going to happen. He is the one that is in complete control. And we can count on His word as it being truth. I look forward to walking through it with, us, with you over the next number of weeks. I pray again, Lord, that you would study these things, that you would that you would actually want to dig into these truths yourself. But for now, here, we've got the setup. We've got Jesus standing in the midst of the seven churches, knowing exactly what's going on. He sees all, he hears all, he knows all. And he's about to bring down the message to the churches to call them to repentance and to wake up and give them promises for those who overcome can't wait. I can't wait for it. But that's coming up next in episode three. Father, we do thank you again for the time that you've given us to walk through these scriptures. I pray, Lord, that you continue to encourage us, that you continue to bless us, that you would open our eyes to these truths and how they apply to us. Father, this vision of your son, Jesus, that he, that he stands in the midst of, of the churches and sees all that's going on. We know, we know that you hear all, see all. There's nothing that we can hide in our lives that you don't see. So help us, Lord, as we walk through this podcast over the next number of weeks, prepare our hearts for your return. Help us to be alert, to be ready, and excited for sending your son Jesus back to bring us to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Unlocking the Truth, podcast channel by Preset Ministries Canada. As Mark mentioned earlier, you can visit presetministries.ca to order the recommended studies, Precept Upon Precept Revelation Part 1, or the In and Out Workbook for Revelation Part 1. We pray you have been encouraged today to worship God and to see Jesus. And if you haven't already, visit presetministries.ca to find a Bible study class or a workshop that will give you the tools to know God deeply and live differently.